friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel Jay. How's the sound? How's my sound? You're good. Right you're there. fine, yeah. You can actually okay. kind of go. It's this a little way. bit better that way. This yeah, way. Yeah, you're fine. Just don't rub your beard on it as I, much. I don't have a beard. You're okay. This beard is an issue with significantly him. shorter than it was 12 hours ago. Well, let's do our cheers and let's get this cheers. thing up and running. Cheers. All right, Jay, we're at Tivoli today. We're back at home base. Yes. Um, this is the main office. Which means that we're interviewing somebody who doesn't own a brewery. What's kind no. of a kind of a big deal? Owns a lot of breweries? No, has her has her hands. <laughs> I I don't own any breweries, okay. but I work for all breweries. You work for all breweries. There you go. Would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Shawnee Adelson. I'm the executive director of the Colorado Brewers Guild. So, for folks who don't know, what is the Colorado Brewers Guild? We are a nonprofit trade association, so that means it's membership-based, so we're made up of craft breweries around the state, yeah. and our mission is to promote and protect Colorado craft beer. So we protect by doing advocacy at the state capitol and making sure the laws are favorable for craft brewers, making sure that they're interpreted the same way we would interpret them, um, and then we promote them through beer festivals and social media and various different avenues including doing interviews with media so i guess the consumer side of things we would know the brewers guild not just by the i mean i've seen the sign places right but uh you're hosting all of the the big events i'm sure so aside from gabf which we'll get into what are the other big brewers guild so we do collaboration fest is probably one of the biggest ones that people know um and then we also do other events around the state. Our oldest event is the Colorado Brewers Rendezvous, which is in Salida. We keep hearing a lot of good things about that one. It's super fun. It's one of our brewers' favorite yeah. beer festivals. Um, fills up really quickly. And it's always the second Saturday in July in Salida. So you guys should get that on your calendar. I, know, I was going to say. So, how do, what, so like with a festival like that, what are you doing during the festival. I'm sure the lead up to it's a lot of planning, but. Uh, d- yeah, during the festival, yeah. I'm usually hanging out with brewers. Okay, I was gonna say, so that's fun for you. <laughs> Sounds like a hard job today. So, such a hard job. No, you know, a lot of it's like crisis management, something happens, okay. I'm there to help make sure that an EMT is called or a brewer ran, run out, runs out of beer or their CO2 isn't working, okay. trying to help them find different things. Um, during the day, we're helping set up, okay. and then we have a booth where we sell our merchandise. So I'm there often slinging merchandise and telling craft beer lovers about what the guild does. So you do it all? I do it all. Oh, my God. Okay, so do you have a question? Are we good? This is usually... Yeah, I I mean, yeah. I have a thousand questions. Okay. That's the point, right? Do you have one now? Because I was going to get into origin stories. So yeah, actually, I was, I was going to say, this is a very polished job description, and, and you're, you're explaining it to us in pretty good detail... Obviously, you know what you do, and you probably do it pretty well, but as Sam was saying, origin stories, where did this come from? How did you get into this? How did I get into this, this job? This role, yeah. We did, we did a bare minimum of research on yeah. you. I, I think I know this, the short answer, but... Um, um, so, before we started recording, Sam was asking me about this, but oh. um, I'll go into a little more detail. I... 
moved back to Colorado in 2008 um, to go to grad school. And I started noticing breweries opening up and spending time at breweries um, and getting more and more involved with them. And then I got involved in the event side of things okay. and going to beer festivals and volunteering at beer festivals. And um, I started putting on my own tastings for my friends where I would do blind tastings. So I'd choose a style of beer and then we would do blind tastings with about 20 of us. Okay. And I invited Steve Kurowski, who at the time was working for the Colorado Brewers Guild. He's the operations and marketing director for, I think, seven or nine years with the guild. And I bugged him and said I wanted a job. And he said, I happen to be hiring. Do you want to apply? So this was after you... You came back. Had you had you started grad school then, or I had. So I had already graduated grad Super school. Good. Okay. Yep. Right. So this was that when I met him, it was two thousand fifteen. Okay. I want to say. Du had really shitty beer at all of their events then. When you were in school there, like there was no good beer. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really go to the events. So it wasn't, it wasn't even a good brewery over there, really. There, I mean, there wasn't. Vermontra was. They weren't even open. So I went to grad school 2008, 2009, 2010. Okay. And. So, yeah, where would you go for good? Before we kind of spread out from the DU area. Campus what, lounge. What was the, yeah, was campus yeah. lounge. The when, stadium. Like, like, well, yeah, exactly. Where you can get a $6 Lagunitas still, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, where, what, was there any good beer around there? Because I can't remember so, when I was in school. So, you know, I was actually really into Belgian beers at the time. Okay. And you couldn't find many Belgian beers. And so I got into home brewing. Ah. So I started home brewing in 2008 okay. and making solely Belgian beers. Nice. Because that's, one, easiest to do okay. when you're home brewing without temperature control. And oh. two, it was hard to find them. And that was the style I really liked. So what did the setup look like? Like, was it in your closet? or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you had it. It was really, it was not professional at all. <laughs> I mean, that's a, you got to save some costs with that DU education. I mean, it was education. like boiling yeah. on the stove oh at home. That's God. how I started. I think it's amazing to talk to a home brewer that, that managed to go a, a completely different direction than becoming a brewer or starting their own brewery. I mean, Did so you many... think about it? Um, briefly, but, you know, my experience with home brewing was that I wasn't great at it. I could do it, but I thought I'll leave it to the professionals, okay. and they can make better beer than I can. That's my attitude about home brewing. Do you feel like some breweries open up not knowing they're shitty breweries? Oh wow, she works for the breweries. No, she doesn't have to I work for all of the breweries, but I would say that there is um, a learning curve yeah. in terms of going from a small batch system into commercial brewing and. It's not just that. It's also a learning curve. Even if you've been a seasoned brewer going on to a new system, learning how the system works. Yeah, yeah. And people are always trying to figure out those kinks at the beginning. Yeah. So we had uh, Ted uh, Einan on last week. So the guy from Meyer Skis. And he's the owner of Meyer Skis. And we were talking about craft beer in Colorado, uh, skiing and all that stuff, you know, the mountain towns. Knowing that you're from Telluride, how important was growing up there to your love of beer? Yeah, I would say it's pretty instrumental in the sense that Telluride is a super small town. Um, there's no chains there, so there's not even a McDonald's or anything in that town. It's very focused on local businesses and supporting local businesses. And so I think that that 
was instilled in me in a young age. My yeah. mom owned her own business, and so did my dad. Okay. Um, and then Telluride is also a big festival town, and craft beer goes well with festivals. So my entire childhood, I remember the Kodo booth, which is the local radio station, their booth at uh, – Bluegrass Festival okay. always had either Boulder Beer or New Belgium. Okay. It's now Avery, um, but I don't not growing up there anymore. Right. But I remember working there and helping out and pouring beer, and yeah. it's a big part of. That. Was Telluride Brewing Co. around when you were there? No, they were not. Okay. They opened up after I left, but I'm good friends with those guys yeah. now. Obviously, I go back and hang out with them. What was that spot before it was a brewery? Oh, I mean, well, Lawson Hill, where they're located, wasn't anything when I was growing okay. up. Okay. Um, that's a newer development. I don't know what was in their actual facility, but it was not created to be a brewery. Yeah. I've only been in there once, but that was kind of my feeling, too. It didn't yeah. feel like, you know, a big production facility, what have you. Okay. So were you drinking beer when you went out to Whitman then, when you were to Washington, knowing that kind of Washington has beer as well? Yeah, Washington has beer. Um, we drank a lot of Deschutes uh-huh. when I was out there. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as a poor college kid, I also drank cheap beer. So like a lot of Olympia, Olympia a lot yeah. of Olympia, <laughs> and Cokney. Cokney, yeah. yeah. I saw one of those in the fridge the other day. Yeah. I've never even heard of it. It's uh, like a Pacific Northwest. Who makes it? Bush Light, basically. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to describe it otherwise. And there's like a little Yeti or Sasquatch. <laughs> oh, on I the thought. Mountain. I, yeah, okay. there's. A, oh, okay. I've never seen that. Yeah. I mean, I've never. I've seen the mountain, but. Never the little guy. There was one random bottle of Kokanee in the fridge in for your Thanksgiving. Uh, in at my father-in-law's, yeah. What the hell? And it was there one day, and it was gone the next. And he did not own up to it for like two days because I was excited about drinking it, and it disappeared. And it disappeared. Okay, so that's what you were drinking. Did you have a craft beer bar that you could get to when you were at Whitman? There was a local brew pub. Okay. I would say most people at that time would agree the beer wasn't great. Yeah. But there was actually a little bar there called The Green. I think it's called The Green Lantern Lantern officially, but everybody called it The Green. Green. And we would go there and drink craft beer. Um, Me not knowing too much about beer, we loved our Hefeweizen. So Mm -hmm. I drank a lot of whatever they had that was similar to that. Gotcha. So if you go to Whitman and then do you, you must be smart as fuck. I was going to say, there's a lot of brains at this table and they're not mine. What did you study at Whitman? Uh, I was an econ major. And what's your grad program in? International development. Whoa. So not anything similar to what I'm doing right now. Did you ever in grad school think you were going to be going and doing international relations type stuff or was, yeah. 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 I, that was the part of econ that I loved was, uh, international development and international work and I spent six months in South America in between college and grad school that wasn't the only thing I did but I did that for a while I worked in Ecuador for three months in a school there and thought that's what I wanted to do and then got out of grad school and I decided I didn't want to go to another country and tell people how to live their lives and that I would rather make my community a better place that's good Wow. How has that education kind of influenced your approach to leadership? Um, I think one of the biggest things, and it goes back to what I just said, is like I want to 
help make my community a better place, but it's also giving people the tools to be able to grow their business or their community better. And so that's what the guild's really here to do is to provide that. Um, We're here to provide resources and education and support our members. But ultimately, I always say the guild is their guild and I work on behalf of them. It's only as good as what you put into it, right? Exactly. That's a pretty standard trade group kind of a thing. You're only going to get as much out of the guild as you put into it, Makes Sam sense. Brewer. That's good. Um, what I'm what I'm hearing though is and, and reading up on Shawnee's background a little bit, Sam and and the pedigree from the school side of things. I was expecting, obviously, we have a smart person here. I was expecting a smart kind of cutthroat business person that randomly fell into beer. What I'm getting though is you actually have been passionate about beer for quite a long time. And this is a good marriage of your talent and your passion. Um, and maybe not to say that you're not necessarily cutthroat, but uh, I, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised. A lot of trade groups, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of industry focused um, organizations like the Brewers Guild, in my experience, tend to be run by career nonprofit professionals, uh, yeah. not one or two people that are passionate. I mean, you have to be passionate about what you do in nonprofit work, but I would, it, it just, it strikes me as an important factor of you moving into your position. Cause you, I mean, you've only recently moved into your role as director. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I was going to bring that up. So I started as a part-time contractor, Okay. okay. helping with membership and helping with events. So I started in a very different role than I am right now. Okay. And that's where that passion came in is I just wanted to help out and I wanted to work and support the guild in a different capacity than I am now. I've slowly moved from that position to a full-time membership director to deputy director to now executive director. So over four years, I've transitioned from that part-time contractor up to full-time executive director. It's pretty impressive. Pretty hot shit here. No shit. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's so coming from a sales background personally and knowing what membership sales really is probably what that was when you first got started. You're obviously pretty damn good at what you do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sales is actually, I tell people I work in sales. I mean, at least membership is sales. I mean, you're trying to show value every single day, regardless of if they've already joined or not, because if you're not showing them value every day, then they're not going to renew. Right. And so it is all about showing that value, continuing to show that value. and um, But it's also... This industry is so much about people and building relationships and that personality piece of it is very different than just buy this and I'll right. never talk to you again. It's it's building trust and community and uh, those relationships. There's two kinds of sales, right? There's transactional sales and then there's relationship long-term relationships. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a totally different kind of sales. And, and I can't imagine something like the guild you're looking for. Hey, the check cleared. They're getting their newsletter. I've done my job. I mean, you have to continue to focus on your new clients or your long-term clients and, and make sure that, as you said, they're getting something out of that every day. So Totally. Yep. Yep. That's a big part of what we do is continuing to build those relationships. And it's not just about the money, but I think also it makes it easier to do my job because I believe in it and I believe in what all of our members are doing and supporting them. So it makes it a lot more natural than trying to sell something that you don't care about. 
The more that I do these ads, the more I realize that I should probably have Jay take care of a few of them, but alas, he's a banker, and he has a lot of ass-kissing to do on a daily basis, which might make it difficult for him to record these things. With that said, I want to take a second here to give a thank you and a shout-out to our title sponsor, Tivoli Brewing Company. If you haven't been into the Tap House located right there on the Auraria Parkway, I suggest you make a trip. The beer is great. The food's fantastic. The guest taps are always awesome. I was in there not long ago. Had a there were some four noses on. There was uh, there was some beer from Seattle, Space Needle. I can't remember who makes it, but that was delicious. Anyhow, go in there, go to the tap room. But if you're not wanting to make the trip to downtown Denver, you don't want to deal with the traffic. For that, I totally understand. Find Tivoli beer at your nearest liquor store because it's everywhere now. You can't you can't miss the cans. Awesome cans. We talked about Odd 13 having great cans. I think Tivoli's cans are badass as well. They uh, they have the look of the historic brewery. You can't really miss them. Go grab yourself a, a Hellas. Go grab yourself a cherry pie. I think the Hello Darkness Stout should be available soon. It's a fantastic little winter beer. Made by the boys in the back. With that said, cheers to Nate, cheers to Charlie, to Chris, to Kyle, to Ethan, to everybody else who makes that thing happen. Tivoli Beer, go to the tap house, get you one over the bar, find it in stores, can't miss it, look for the big Tivoli Tower. Thank you, Tivoli, for uh, putting your name behind this train wreck that is unfiltered. And thank you to all of you for listening to the show. So with that said, enjoy the rest of the interview, and go grab a Tivoli. Hey everybody, just wanted to stop down real quick and invite you to follow us on the social medias. Jay and I are out there on Instagram and Facebook at unfiltered.craft. You can also find us on Twitter. We try to put a lot of funny content out there. Give us a follow. Uh, We'd really, really appreciate it and love it. Also, we just uh, stocked up on some new hats and some new stickers and and some new buttons actually. And if you head over to unfilteredcraft.com, you can take a look to see what we have can uh, put in for an order and we'll get that stuff in the mail for you so the hats the guys at branded bills uh, knocked it out of the park they're really really awesome and it could be a perfect holiday gift for your craft beer drinker out there so knowing that i guess you know if we walk back a couple years to when you were actually when you were selling the memberships do you have to really sell that membership or if somebody has starting up a new brewery is it just expected that you kind of join the guild um oh down goes Schrader. I would say that it's a mix. Um, some of our members, it takes more conversations and yeah. meetings, and um, some just join because that's what you do. Yeah. Um, it's a mix of that, definitely. And to be honest, I still do that. So I've never stopped doing membership. And we just hired somebody. Her first day was today. She'll be helping me with membership. Okay. But I've never stopped doing membership since I started at the Guild. So I'll continue to work on it. What are they expecting when they enjoy when they join it? Like, what are you hearing? Or what did you hear? What does a new brewer want for their buck? Right? Like... It all depends on what they're focusing on. So uh, one of the things I mentioned earlier on is our advocacy efforts. So for some of our members, that's really important that we're at the state capitol making sure that the laws are favorable for them. But that also makes it so that they don't have to have their own lobbyist. Like we are are there. We're their voice. And having us, one person, represent them will be as stronger than having multiple voices at the Capitol. Okay. Okay. That makes total sense. Um, So that's a big piece of it. Some people just want to attend our events and pour beer at our events because they're fun. Okay. And some people want education. They want 
more information and they also want a resource to go to. So I get questions almost daily on, can I do this? Can I not do this? Um, is the, like, will the LED be upset if I do it this way instead of this way? Those kinds of things. And we're there to give them direction. And if I can't give them direction, then I know where to. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Let me ask this, Shawnee. What, if anything, sets the Brewers Guild apart from the Craft Brewers Association? And, and where is there overlap? Where do you tend to bridge a gap in what they offer or how they serve? And, I mean, yeah. are you targeting the same types of brewers and so that's a really good question and one thing that i always tell people is that um so the brewers association is our national counterpart okay so they do the exact same thing we do on the national level so they are working on federal legislation and they'll never work on state level okay like they'll give us resources if we need them at the state level but they never really do that at the state level they put on great american beer festival that attracts breweries from all across the country. We put on Collaboration Fest and The Rendezvous, which is Colorado specific. Okay. okay. So it's a we we work closely with them actually and we don't compete. We support okay. each other. Um, they have a guild manager, so she's our point of contact and so I can call her and ask her, "Hey, a member has this question about something that I don't know about at the BA, yeah. can you direct them to the right person? Uh, um, and she also is there to support us in various different ways. We gather multiple times a year with all the other state guilds to talk about what's going on across the country so we can have an idea of where everything stands. So is there one of you and one of your guild in all 50 states? All 50 states has a guild. Um, I believe 46 of them, 48 of them have a paid employee. I was going to say. It's oh. close, but not, I don't think ever. That's a lot more than I would think. Yeah, That's actually, a lot. I was wow. not expecting her to say 50 states. Yep, and even uh, D.C. has their own. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then uh, there are a decent number of regional guilds. Okay. So California, for being such a large state, has a few regional guilds. Uh, okay. That would make sense. But so who's, who's comparable to... To the size of Colorado in terms of guild size and membership? Um, I turn to New York a lot. Really? It's similar in our size. Um, Oregon as well okay. and Washington. Um, yeah, I think that those, it's, it depends on the state and how they're structured, how membership works and everything like that. But those are some of the counterparts that I look to. Okay. Uh, New York has... I think three and a half or four employees now. Wow! Um, so that's comparable. And you're to at how many? Two and a half. Really? Yeah. So it's just so that's why you're in a. Okay. That's why she's worried space. about. That's why she's worried about new hire zero point five because yeah. poor girl's on her first day and Shiny's like so I gotta go have beers see ya. <laughs> we need to send more interns to you apparently. Yeah, we no gotta, kidding. We gotta get. Um, Okay, so I guess before we get into the, the hard questions. Yeah. No, the yeah. expert, the expert we're, questions. We're, we're not happy unless you leave here crying. Yes. So. Yeah, that's, that's how, yeah. I mean, ask Dave, Dave Bergen. He just bawled all the way, you know, at the end oh, of the Oh, I can the, just picture him crying. And then his beard. Yeah. Right. Yes. You know that Dave Bergen's on our board of directors. I know, yeah. That's we, yeah, yeah, we yeah. may have done, like I said, a little bit of research. Yeah, yeah okay. we knew, we knew. Um, so uh, uh, outside of Colorado, what is your favorite craft beer? 
Since you can't name any, you can't name a favorite here, right? Hard hitting Sam. It's like a okay. parent, Boom. parent naming their favorite child. You can't do it, even though we all. I know. can do it. Yeah. So <laughs> and do it on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah, exactly. I know. I do. I so when people ask me my favorite beer, or my favorite brewery, I tell them they're all my children. Yep. yep. So you just use my quote. Nailed it. Um, but I would say outside of Colorado, you know, I, I started drinking craft beer before it was even called craft beer. I mean, it was microbreweries and California was pretty far advanced in that regard. And so I had a lot of exposure to California breweries, um, Stone specifically and uh, Ale House. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nope, Ale Smith. Ale Smith, I knew. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I mean, those two were pretty instrumental and their West Coast IPAs were a big deal for me. Would you have said Lagunitas if, if their beer didn't taste like garbage? You know, though? they weren't as big of a deal to me, okay. actually. It, one of my closest friends lives right near there, so I went there a yeah. decent amount. But um, before that, it really, like, Stone was a big one for me. And I still drink, I still like Tropic of Thunder. Yeah, yeah. But wait, so wait. So you like Belgian beers, but you were obviously drinking a lot of West Coast IPAs. I mean, you'll drink in the Hellas. You brought up the Hellas. I mean, a Hefeweizen. No, no. Sh- yeah. So I'm you, drinking you're, the Hellas. You're not, you're not particular. You're not. Not wh- particular, but I would say that I generally drink light colored beers. Yeah. Same here. Give me For an sure. IBU number. Oh, like, I am I'm just all kidding. across Don't do the it. board. Don't but do my, it. I would say my general style of choice would be a pale ale. Okay. But like a hoppy pale ale. So when Conrad won that GABF award, you were like, yeah, that yeah, fucking beer that deserves it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is a uh, good beer. <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like hoppy pale ales. I okay. like the lower ABV generally. Yeah, yeah. Beers, but okay. that have flavor. Yeah, you, do, you were going to order a, a brute IPA, which I'm wondering about that style. Because I, I like a good brute, but it really hasn't taken off. Not just in Colorado. It hasn't taken off yeah, across the country. It didn't jump the way we it thought it would no. a year ago. The, well, the juices and the hazies have just kind of overpowered everything yep yep uh, i mean it, we're drinking a juicy right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah. it's not hazy though no it's definitely not a hazy it's just a juicy she's I quizzing got, you now well no no i gotta ex- yeah you gotta look what? at it no what did nate nate gave me the lesson on friday night i was over here for a faculty thing the juicy and the hazy i think i understand the difference right like a a hazy is harder to can and distribute is that correct because it just doesn't it's, doesn't package well shelf stable yeah yeah generally although breweries do it um but it's generally shelf less self shelf stable all right let's let's now continue to kind of prod your brain okay now that we've thrown you a watermelon yeah (laughs) the old softball question (laughs) um what are you seeing for trends now that you're are you is anything shocking you are you shocked by the the hazy craze Yes and no. I mean, yes, because I think that brewers have, I, when I started home brewing, your goal was to make your beer clear. Yeah. And yeah. it was, you know, that, that was the thing is like, how clear can your beer be? And that, that meant that you did a good job. Yeah. Um, so yes, in the sense of the clarity and how it looks, but I would say no in the sense of brewers are trying to branch out and attract people that may not have thought that they liked craft beer um, and that hazy juicy really attracts people that didn't think that they liked that bitterness or that traditional like yellow fizzy 
beer yeah. and it has more of a fruitiness to it. Um, it's much more approachable and it's softer. And so I can see where there's a trend towards that. That's similar to like the pastry stouts where it's sweeter. It has a different type of flavor that's mm-hmm. unique. Um, and so I, I'm not, I would say yes and no in the sense that brewers latch on to it, but are they, so they do latch onto it? Are they committed to it? Or is it the consumer is driving that trend? Different brewers would answer differently, yeah. but That's I would say it's to, a yeah. huge uh, consumer-driven trend. Yeah. Um, now, I hear nowadays if a brewer doesn't have a hazy or a juicy on that people ask for it, and so they feel obligated to have one. I can't say much since they pay me. But Nate showed me the stats since that beer's been on in one week, and it would blow your fucking mind. Like, really? Oh, yeah. It's just having it on having it in on, on the menu. Yeah, people go, yeah, I want that. Like, it's just crazy. I mean, Where? it's just a word, right? It's just a word. It's just a word. Well, if you look at so you look at Odell, they yeah. have a beer called Drumroll, and that came out, I would say, maybe three years ago, probably. Has it been around and, for that? And they call it an American pale ale. Yeah. Now it's, now it's called a hazy pale ale. It's the same beer, but they just... Bell's is doing the same shit. Change the name because yeah. it it is something that people... It's always been hazy. Mm-hmm. Drumroll's always been a hazy beer. They don't filter it. But if you don't put it on the label, then people might not understand that that's what it is. That's and, crazy. And where were we at that they, they said, Sam, that they did that specifically... On a regular basis, so they'd roll out the same beer with two different names and two different mm-hmm. descriptions and see which one sold better. It might um, be Weldworks, honestly. Was it? Yeah, no, Colin? it wasn't Weldworks. Um, the husband and wife who we love. Oh, Odyssey. Odyssey. Thank yeah, you. I was yeah. going to say Trip, but that yeah. wasn't right. Yeah. Odyssey. Yeah. Chris, yeah. Yeah. Chris and Chris and Dina. Dina. Yeah. Um, okay. Good job, Sam. Biggest challenges that you see right now in the Colorado craft beer industry. What are you hearing? Um, You know, grocery store sales can be a good thing and a bad thing. I Mm -hmm. think that it ultimately may be a challenge for many of our brewers just because of uh, having access to market. And some of our smaller brewers, for example, Odyssey, maybe having, I don't know if they're having a hard time, but some of the smaller brewers that package getting into grocery stores is that something where a brewer could just go in and try to get it on the shelves of a Kroger? So they do sets. Okay. So they don't do it the same way as a liquor store. A liquor store, yeah, you can go in and if it's independently owned, which all in Colorado are, you have the ability to go in and try and sell your product okay. to them. Um, grocery stores, they only change those sets every couple of months. So you have to go through their system. So their buyer won't it won't say let's take a shot on this for a month. They just can't do that. They aren't. It, maybe each one does it individually, but from my understanding, they have to go through their whole system. Wow. And so that makes it a little bit harder on the seasonal side of things too. If you come out with a beer that you weren't planning on having before yeah. and it's very popular, it may not be on the shelves. So it just creates a different dynamic there. Are um, you? Are you surpri- I guess. Are you surprised? Did you expect it? What are your what's your reaction to that kind of grocery store sales? What where did the guild stand on it prior to prior rolling to, it yeah. out? And then what are you seeing after? Yeah, so 
prior to so Senate Bill 196 uh, is what allowed for full strength beer in grocery stores that happened in 2016. Um, our stance, the guild stance, was to support our retail liquor stores and their approach. Um, they worked with the grocery stores to negotiate uh, what came out of this. Okay. So it was amicable, for lack of a better word? Uh, I would say that in legislation... Nothing is amicable? amicable. How was that watching the sausage get made, by the way? Um, I would say that, you know, that legislation is hard around craft beverage in general. And I feel that in Colorado, it's been um, somewhat contentious over the last few years with the grocery stores and everything like that. Um, Not everybody was happy and obviously no solution would have made everybody happy um so we went with were you in terms of sales numbers are you surprised by what you're seeing is it expected um so the first half of the year we saw a large bump in sales in grocery stores which sales craft sales which was great um and also somewhat not unexpected, just given the convenience factor and the fact that only beer is available and wine and spirits are not available in grocery stores. Right. Um, it drives people to that convenience piece of it. We are bucking trends in that aspect across the country. So talking about challenges, a lot of beer drinkers are moving towards wine and spirits and away from beer. Um, and so we in Colorado are the opposite of other places but part of that's because this new um avenue of retail sales came out and so it essentially doubled the number of locations beer can be purchased to go so off yeah yeah it doubled the number of locations wow i never thought about it that way so i guess if you're i I just thought about this if you're putting your beer in a king supers is it better to be right next to the coors light like do you want to be that next door over like literally just kind of the flow of the aisle or does it matter? Or do you want to be lost in the middle? Is that oh, what you're saying? I need to run that study. I don't, I don't I want to know. Yeah. I mean, I think that people would say different things. Um, one, people are drawn to craft beer in Colorado. We have yeah. a higher percentage of consumers that drink craft beer than other States. And so it's almost better to be in the craft beer section because people are drawn to that yeah. section. And you're seeing in liquor stores, retail liquor stores right now, they are upping the amount of space that they have for craft beer because they are trying to become more of a destination instead of just the generic Coors, PBR, Bud Light location. Um, So there, and we have some of our brewery members that are selling beer that they may sell it in multiple locations, but they may only sell a specific beer to a liquor store. So you can't buy it at a grocery store so that people are driven to those liquor stores. Well, it's like the new Molly's launch right down on uh, Arapahoe. They've got four different beers, I think, out now that they've collaborated with different breweries on. Yeah. So I can totally understand that. Um, Yep. Sorry, what were you going to say? It's gone already. I don't know. Okay. So that's one challenge. Do you have more challenges to the industry? Um, and are you in a hurry, by the way? Because we can cut this off. No, <laughs> okay. I have an hour. Okay. Oh, an shit. hour still. Well, this I is... mean, 
I, I did pay for my meter for now. Okay. Oh, right. Well, hey, we may take know. up the full hour. It was like one hours or two hours. Okay. So no, this is this is awesome. So wait, you have two hours. I have two hours. Okay. Well, two total. Now you have 70 minutes. Yeah. I didn't write that many questions, Jay. I have... <laughs> I have plenty. We well, can just drink beer after. <laughs> there we go. If <laughs> if I can keep my train of thought, I'm recovering from the ho 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 slap down yesterday. Oh, so how was it? Was the, that a beer, beer shot? Yeah. How was it? It was entertaining. I may have I may have uh, irritated some people. I was told that there were no rules and that cheating was highly encouraged. So that I tried to help comrade win by taking all the beer stat voting and dumping it into the comrade. Stein and um, my wife was pretty sure I was going to get kicked out at that point. Yeah, I, I think that that's breaking the n- rules, even though there's no rules. No rules, and cheating is encouraged. So, how do you break a rule? So wait, I'm sorry, I missed. I meant they were spiking everything with comrade. No, 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 no. I was telling Shawnee that I, um, towards the end, uh, as they were getting ready to wrap up voting, I went up and took the beer stat. Stein full of voting tokens and dumped it into David's Stein for should. comrade. Exactly. That is the best and beer. I'm pretty damn sure that Bierstadt still won. And David just looked at me like, I don't know what the hell happened. So Did he look rested? He just had a no, kid. So no, he, he very, looked about uh, the same. Okay, he did. Poor yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have no question to ask? Can I ask um, Actually, I, yeah, I do. Moving so this away. This is why it gets unfiltered. Yeah, so yeah. Got, moving away 30 from. 30 minutes in, <laughs> that's yeah. when it hit. The wheels come off pretty quickly. Moving away from liquor stores, grocery stores, etc., what does the current or the recent sale of certain big name breweries to large corporate breweries do to the image of craft brewing in Colorado? Or how does it affect someone like you and your job at the Guild? I mean, I'm just going to come right out and say it. New Belgium selling, and I'm, I'm not saying selling out because I honestly think this is a brewer buying a brewer, not a giant buying a craft brewery to eliminate the competition. But how does how does that sale specifically kind of affect or, or damage, per se, the image? Affect or damage their image or our image? Craft beer. Craft beer. I'm sure um, I can understand. You know, I would say a couple things. One, we've seen multiple sales in Colorado already. Some so big ones recently. Big ones. I mean, we saw Breckenridge in 2016, 2016. Yeah, that sounds right. End of 16, and then Avery. Um, so those are two pretty large names. Um, and obviously, New Belgium is an even larger name. Um so we're no stranger in Colorado to those changes. And um, I would also say that there's a lot of um, reverence for New Belgium in craft beer for what they've done for craft beer in Colorado and paved the way for a lot of people. And, um, you know, they were... Kim Jordan was found one of the founders of the guild. We've appreciated so much of what she's done for the guild. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we, the guild are here to represent independent craft breweries and with their sale, um, they no longer qualify to be a member of the guild. Um, similarly to Avery and Breckenridge. And so, um, we're continuing to represent our members. She was one of the members that created our updated bylaws and so she I mean, knew exactly what she was getting into she knew exactly what she was getting to similarly did avery um you know they everybody has to make a decision to 
benefit their business or not benefit, but make sure that their business is successful. And it's a business decision at the end of the day. And um, I don't think that it diminishes our brand as the state of craft beer in Colorado. Um, But we wish they were still members. I was going to say, does losing New Belgium um, take a little bit of power or strength away from your voice as a guild? I would say no. Um, you know, we have a great relationship with them and we continue, will continue to. Um, they've always been great supporters of the guilds and in general, our legislative efforts have always been in alignment with what they would say. And so I think that they'll continue to support us legislatively. They just won't have our voice representing them. They'll have to have their own voice. So I guess knowing kind of along those same lines, the BA has taken, these are questions that are coming from fans, believe it or not. We have listeners. Seven or eight of them. Yeah. Um, Knowing that the BA took on some pretty big sponsors for GABF, like Jameson, right? As the Colorado Brewers Guild, do you want to push back at any of that? Like that has to upset you, I guess is what I'm saying, or it's got to be frustrating a little bit from the, you know, the Washingtons and the Colorados of the world to see something like that happen. You know, everybody has to make a business decision. Um, And I would say that the one thing, I'm not defending the BA, but I would say the one thing that Jameson did very well is that they were showcasing breweries there. I would agree with that. And that's um, very different than them just pouring Jameson shots. True. Um, And so when we we look at, like, our partners for events, we – you know, at Collab Fest last year, Jameson was there. You guys probably wouldn't even have noticed it because they looked exactly the same and they had beer with a couple breweries and they were showcasing the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say the BA is strategic in that sense of thinking about how to showcase their members and the beer specifically. Um, there's money behind sponsorship and sometimes it's hard to deny that yeah no it makes sense so i guess knowing that colorado's craft spirits is on the ri- uh, industry is on the rise is that is that a strategic kind of vision for you or a plan that you want to get after to kind of continue these collaborations say between a breckenridge or a or a you know bear creek distillery or you know high has a high west I don't I mean, know what that is. Laws, Leopold's laws, laws yeah. Yeah, well, you know, our former marketing director is now the marketing director at Laws. Okay. Okay. So nice. Steve, Steve is a good friend of mine as well. Um, but you know, it's not a strategic plan of ours to tap into that. But yeah. I would say, on the legislative side of things and advocacy side of things, we always try to have partnerships wherever we can. So if we can build something collectively with our spirits or our wineries, we are going to do that. That makes sense. And that that's regardless of, you know, if we're losing market share to them or not, we want to make sure that we're um, encouraging collaboration and moving forward constructively. It's the craft thing, right? I mean, the whole yeah. industry is yeah, so behind each other. Yeah, we call ourselves the craft family. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. You're good? For the moment, yeah. What is it about Colorado, the fact that you grew up here, the fact that you understand a mountain town that makes it so primed for craft beer, right? We're obviously it's it's spreading across the country now in all directions, but it really kind of started here and maybe other pockets in the West. But what is it about Colorado that you're seeing 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, Nobody's I mean, ever we, said that. Yeah. Well, it, well, first of all, we need you, to give credit where credit is due. Who gave you that question? This isn't from Dave. No. Okay. No, this is from me. <laughs> I would say that you people ask it in a different way. They say, what does it mean to be the state of craft beer instead of how you phrased it? And I think there's multiple pieces to it. Um, one, the entrepreneurial spirit of Colorado and the fact that we have um, Boulder Beer, which has been around for 40 years, one of the oldest craft breweries in the country, started here with Charlie Papazian. Um, and he started the Brewers Association and GABF and everything like that. I mean, there there was a little piece of history that was created in Colorado that You're in the spurred craft beer. Now. Yeah, I, mean, I just I, I went out and saw it. I was, yeah, I was, it's so you crazy. It. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Sweet. I'll show you have, pictures. Have done. you been to the beer here? Beer now? We didn't go. Is it still going on? I still I see signs still, for it. I think it. it's yeah. still going on. You guys should check it out. Yeah, we didn't. Um, we couldn't get a foot in the door with the marketing people. We actually want to do an interview. Um, we should just go anyway. Yeah, we should. You guys should check with it all out. Our, with I'm all sure our free time. I'm sure it's not as big as the Smithsonian, but it has great history in there. Okay. Um, and then going back to that, I would say like Coors is also a big part of that. And Tivoli, in terms of beers, was central to a lot of the mining and everything that was happening in Colorado. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, Prohibition came about all that went away. Coors still existed through that and then came back after Prohibition. Well, ended. it's so much... I don't mean to cut you off, but I mean, knowing our neighbors and good friends are German residents right there. Beer is such a part of the mining industry in Germany. It makes total sense that it would be the same thing here, right? Like, as, as it's just a part of that culture. Yep, 100%. definitely, yeah. definitely. And that, I think that that is a big part of it. But then also I would say... Um, you know, Colorado used to be a pretty red state. Now we're considered a purple state. But um, my dad always jokes about, not jokes, but he says the only reason that marijuana was legalized here in the first place and before other states was that because we have a pretty liberal contingent and we have a pretty um, right-wing contingent that doesn't want the uh, government into our business. Okay. And somehow they agree on something. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that that's similar to craft brewing laws or brewing laws in general is that we have some of the most favorable brewing laws in, in the United States. And it's allowed craft beer to flourish. And the guild is here to make sure that those keep being favorable. Yeah. It's so um, awesome. We have some of the lowest excise taxes in the country. We have some of the most favorable brewing laws. I guess Red, blue, it doesn't matter over a beer. That's exactly, true, is and that's, what I heard, or a joint, but that may not be yeah. quite the same thing. But it's it's true, beer. I mean, it, that's something that we have some going for us mm -hmm. at the state capitol is that we are able to cross party lines, mm -hmm. and it is a very bipartisan issue. Something you brought up there was Coors, and I think this is what Charlie Berger kind of pointed out to us too. When we were at Denver Beer Co. Is that you know Charlie was in St. Louis when AB got bought out, right? And that just allowed the craft beer scene to take over. Because AB, there's a little bit more... Evil empire? Feel to AB than Coors. And I guess our read from a lot of brewers and folks like you is that Coors is relatively supportive of craft beer in this state. I mean, it's it's not... I would AB say extremely. Wants to like, you know, eat everything up. Coors is kind of like... 
perhaps it's more, no, I wouldn't say a partnership. But what, what's your read on that, I guess? Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. I, um, <laughs> it depends on who you talk to, but okay. I would say that a lot of brewers still drink Coors Banquet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're not drinking Budweiser. I've seen a lot drinking. Uh, what's the gold? The uh, the uh, extra gold. Extra gold. Extra gold. Yeah. I have to keep re-educating you on the cores. But apparently gold. that's yeah. a thing. It You're is. Like, yeah, if you go to the high dive, people <laughs> drink extra gold there. It's like it's like K and water. I mean, it's good beer, but you can drink enough of them. Yeah. It's like hydrating as a brewer. I would also say that there's a decent amount of people that came from Coors that yeah. work in craft beer. Yeah. And so there's some respect there in the sense of respecting your elders and where you came from. And um, so people in the industry have a little bit more, give them a little more leeway. But I would also say, I mean, they haven't bought a brewery in Colorado. Um, That's a good point. And That's a really good point. It doesn't... <laughs> They don't feel the same pressures that they are feeling from AB. Um, and in terms of the craft space, there's a little bit less of Coors buying breweries and then uh, pushing that out as craft. You do see it, but it's just not as prevalent as what we're seeing from AB. And I would go so far as to say almost manipulative from the AB standpoint that they really, really truly try to hide the fact that it's an AB-owned establishment and and would rather sell it or, or lead you to believe that you're buying something that is truly craft mm -hmm. when it's yeah. not um the term that eric wallace who's from left hand and the board of board chair of the ba would say is they're crafty but not craft wow that's true it is it's, it's, it's pretty just, sharp i like that they're they're easy to hate slimy i think that they're slimy sense. frankly yeah. that's my version of it I want to go another direction for a minute because yeah. I'm going to forget this question, and it is relevant. Um, we talked about New Belgium selling. Uh, one of the original guild members, founders, one of the original brewers in, in Colorado to make a name for micro and craft, and they went big. You also just mentioned Boulder Beer Company, and they basically did the complete opposite of what we're seeing from a lot of breweries recently, where they said, no we are going to actually scale back. We're going to focus on our own handles, our own tap room. We're only going to make beer for ourselves and for our, our customers that come into the, to the bar. Is that, how did, how, how do you see that fitting into the future of brewing and craft breweries? I mean, Sam and I talk a lot about there, you know, people get into brewing for one of really just three reasons. It seems like, they want to they want to make a ton of money and they want to start a brewery that sells for a billion dollars. They want to be awesome at their craft and be a locally owned establishment that just makes people happy or they're brewers with a passion for it and they work in the industry just because they just want to be journeyman beer makers. But when all the news lately is either people shutting down completely or selling out to bigger companies, what does Boulder Beer what does their statement mean to you? What do you read into that? Um, that's a big question. But I would say that as we see craft beer um, maturing, people are going to have to make different decisions for what's best for their company. And Boulder Beer isn't the first Boulder Brewery to do this. Um, 
Twisted Pine did this back in 2017, I believe. Okay. They got out of distribution, and they only have their tap room. Okay. Um, so it's not a it's it's not a new move in okay. Colorado, but it was a big big deal considering how established Boulder Beer is and how long they've been around. Um, I would also say, you know, you look at the news that came out even more recently right. with their move to Sleeping Giant, and it shows that there's still an appetite out there for Boulder Beer and their distribution and um, just thinking about it in a different way. But, you know, the BA always talks about, not always, but recently talks about how we're still seeing growth in craft beer and breweries, but those breweries are the ones that are the taproom model. Mm -hmm. And the ones that are selling beer over the bar are growing the fastest. Granted, they're the smallest. Um, so percentage growth, you have to keep that in mind. As an economist's mind, I think Well, no, about in the words of uh, every fucking brewery owner, we're talking dollars versus cents. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's where people are seeing growth. But, you know, we these things are... You know, the New Belgium sale and the Boulder beer changes um, are prevalent and they are the biggest news story. But I would also say that last year we saw the most number of breweries open in Colorado since I can since we've tracked. So if you keep that in mind, it's also that craft beer is growing exponentially yeah. in terms of breweries but maybe not in terms of barrelage um, and we have to just keep that in mind is that even though we're seeing closures and changes uh, we still see breweries opening up and the BA did a, a really awesome study um, where they showed where breweries are opening up the most mm -hmm. and the most breweries that are opening up are opening up in places that had the most breweries already so huh. if you look at a map of the United States, that's what you're seeing, which I find fascinating. So the but the color it makes is sense. getting more concentrated. If you're dotting the areas or the cities or the towns or even the the blocks the breweries are on, it's getting more tight. It's it's yep. it's well, becoming more. But it, but it makes sense in terms of what I said earlier, in the sense that Colorado has some of the most favorable brewing laws mm -hmm. in the states. So why not open up a brewery in Colorado where it's going to be easier? Um, you're going to have people that already understand craft beer and people that want to support you. If you're opening up a brewery in Georgia, it's going to be a lot harder. They just passed the ability to have a tap room. Wow. Last so year. A little behind the times down there. Well, yeah. think about this too, right? I mean, if you're in Iowa, if, you, if you're in Iowa, I grew up there, so I'm thinking... I know that my local, outside of Topping Goliath, I was doing better now, so never mind. But, like, let's say I was in North Dakota. I can get better beer off the shelf. It's going to taste better from Colorado than I can go across the street and go to that local brewery. So if you have a taste for craft beer, it would make sense that your taste is going to be so strong that you're just not going to quite support that that mediocre beer in your local area if it's just if the, the onus is I guess on that beer maker in that area, but getting access to those kind of recipes and those kinds of sources, uh, it, it's going to be really hard. And so I guess to me, here there's enough of, of a craft beer appetite to make 
of brewery were because there are so many craft beer drinkers that had that expectation. I don't know if my it was a good statement, but I mean, in my head it sounded better. I bet it did. Yeah. I bet it did. <laughs> it did. Thanks, thanks, Jay. Thank you. I appreciate that. So we're we're winding down 2019. I gotta ask the other question. What's the? I gotta. What's the other question? Oh, oh. Can you speak to diversity in brewing? Diversity in brewing. Because I'm sure that you. Amanda and Nicole did not. We asked this question on 13 the other night, and I said, off the record, because I know you don't want to answer this, can you just tell us? And worse than that, we asked it on the air with Brittany Portman at Fiction. And we asked it at Beerstadt. Beerstadt. In Beerstadt, yeah. yeah. And we have a tendency to step on ourselves here, so. It's an important question to ask. It's a super important question to ask. So here's what I would say. One, it depends on what you say diversity, how you mm-hmm. define diversity. Sure. I'm a female, yeah. and I'm the executive director of the Colorado oh, Brewers Guild. Yeah. People think that beer is all white bearded dudes and flannels. You guys. This is not flannel? Yeah, Come mine's on. not flannel either. Okay. It's Johnny, just plaid. This is business plaid. He's I had a casual plaid vest. yesterday, <laughs> and I trimmed the beard specifically to get away from the look. Oh, uh, wait. Yeah, Before good, I answer please. Question, I'm yes. order a beer. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm not. Oh. I don't have to drive. I took the train. Um, oh, I yes. have to drive. <sighs> Let me see here. Oh, you, you have blind pig on? You have blind pig on? I'll take that, please. Thank you. Sorry. Executive Director of the Colorado Brewers Guild. I please please stand by. California so we can, beer. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just looking at the menu. So, you know, it's diversity is a big issue. And I think the BA has been working on this mm-hmm. in terms of creating uh, a position. So they have a diversity ambassador, mm-hmm. Dr. J. She came out to Colorado a few times. She's been awesome um, in just creating that conversation. Um so there's that. I would also say that I went to the grand opening of Raices on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been there yet? No, we've heard a lot of good yes. stuff. Yes, we oh, have, yeah. yeah. No, we, no, 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 exactly. But we, yeah. but we haven't been yet. No, yeah. yet. Okay, so I went I've on been Saturday, tracking it. and I was telling Jose and Tamil and Martine, who are the owners down there, Martine's the head brewer, and there are few times that I've been blown away in craft beer recently because I feel like you go to breweries, you see a lot, you talk to a lot of people and going to that event um, was probably the most diverse I've ever seen a craft brewery. And it was awesome what they're doing there. And what they're trying to do is create a space for people multicultural space Mm -hmm. where people can gather and have beer but it isn't about that white bearded conversation no offense to you guys but i think think that the what they're doing there is creating a cultural gathering place and that people can come there and drink beer but they do other things and so they had you know, like what? So Tamil was like showing everybody how to salsa dance. They had live music, go and it cool. was, you know, not just a punk rock band or bluegrass. <laughs> and um, the people that were there were really 
engaged mm-hmm. and excited to be there and it felt very different and they're located in some valley so when i worked before i worked at the guild i worked for denver urban gardens i don't know if you guys know what that is but it's community garden organization i worked in some valley for seven years and if you don't know it's the most diverse neighborhood in the entire state because they have so many different refugees living in that community i think it's like 90 percent or 95 percent of the housing is public housing or subsidized housing and they're trying to engage that community of diversity and bring people in and say that like beer shouldn't be exclusive it should be inclusive and that you can drink beer and do all these other things and get together with your community so races races has been on our radar my radar at least for i would say close to two years at this point is that justin justin's their accountant Winselman? He is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Justin yeah. knows him. I don't know if yeah. he's the CPA officially, um, but we've we've gotten word on them, uh, you know, through a couple of different channels. Which one's that? Oh, is that my cool? Okay. Thank you. So. So actually, before I forget now, because we got to cut this off eventually, just drink beer and shoot the shit off the record. How important then to toot my own horn here is a metro to the future of brewing in Colorado <laughs> because you uh, like the campus attracts it's a, we're an HSI institution right Hispanic serving institution we're the most diverse campus in all of Colorado I mean we were at uh, a chain reaction right their assistant brewer what she went through the program yeah it's, that's right it's, and but even now you go and you talk Skyler, to Skyler yeah, I think yes name exactly is. Yep, you go downstairs and you see Ethan's students and Katie's students and it's all colors and all races and in uh, all genders and I mean this place has got to be great for that right yeah, I mean, so one of the things that we're lucky at the Guild to have is relationships with MSU, Metro State, and CSU and their brewing program and being able to support those programs and really encourage um, more people to get into the education side of things and then learn to be part of the craft brewing industry. But I, I think that Metro is a great resource for that and encouraging people to come to Tivoli and try the beers and get engaged and make it not an exclusive uh, intimidating yeah industry and I think I think you know to be honest we're close to this place we're close to Nate and to Steph and to Ken and I think that's this is not coming from any kind of plug but Every assistant brewer that I talk to says that Nate and Charlie are just amazing to work under. So why wouldn't you just, you know, do your internship hours here and your service hours there? But um, we're, I guess, at Colorado Springs, where are they doing their kind of brewery internships, the students? Do you know? MSU. Are they really? <laughs> I don't know. No, uh, no, no, CSU. Like, where do they, what are their partnerships up there? Oh, CSU? you're talking, that's yeah, not CSU, the Springs. Yeah. So that's up oh, sorry, Collins. Collins. Sorry. Yep. He's, not, a, he's not a local. You know what I mean? Sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm not I a local. I have to, I, I take a lot I've of heat. I've been here for 10 years. I take a lot of heat sorry. for him not knowing shit about the city. Fort Collins. I got to write that down to cut it out so it don't sound so stupid. <laughs> um. So Fort Collins. So where do they do their internships? Yeah, yeah. Similarly. So okay. they get internships with breweries up there in okay. Fort Collins. Not a brewery um, on campus, though. They do have a they have a brewery on campus oh. now. It's called the Ramskeller. Ooh. Well, that used to be a bar when I went to CSU. It still is a bar, but they have a little brewery there. Oh, nice. Um, so they make beer there as well. Road trip. Um, Road you trip. guys should come go check it out. 
We've got to go to Equinox. Uh, oh, yeah. Our buddy Dan's uh, best friend is the owner and head brewer. Colin. Uh, Colin, yeah. 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 Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys got to go up there. It's not too far from at CSU, actually. Okay, right there. So there's a lot of great breweries up in Fort Collins. You guys got to make like a weekend of it. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to find a driver. All right. So <laughs> yeah. we, can, we, can, we can crush some beers here and shoot the shit off the record. Is there anything that, uh, that we should know as beer consumers uh, that the Guild's putting on the next uh, month or two? We can get tickets for. Um, we will be putting on Collaboration Fest okay. in the springtime. We will be announcing the date and venue shortly, so okay. keep an eye out for that. But right. um, that's our annual festival where brewers can get together and collaborate with another brewer and make a unique beer. It's one of the most unique beer festivals out there, and it was the first one in the country to be able to do so awesome. something like that. So, Is there um, a newsletter that folks can sign up for? Or socials yeah, so if you guys go to coloradobeer.org at the bottom of our page, you can sign up for our weekly email that goes out that lists all of the events that our members post on our website. Okay. Um, and then you can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and so we also feature a lot of the events that our members are having on our Facebook page. Perfect. Shawnee, thank you so much. One last this cheers. This was awesome. Thank you. That was, you know cheers. it's a good interview when you, when you roll into an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it tends to go well. Thank you, Shawnee. All right, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll be back next week with everyone. Cheers. When they come to take you down